This week, T-Mobile is headed to space. Sony is headed for higher prices. DuckDuckGo is protecting your email. And DC might finally be ready to take on Marvel. It's Sunday, August 28th, 2022, and this is episode 631 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, through a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or a myriad of other options, through our live stream par- partners like Livestream.com, Twitch, or YouTube, where you can become a member and get exclusive content and ad-free episodes of F5 Live and the Pilch Point, or on our website, PlugKidsLive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the studio. Give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. If you can't join us live, that's okay. Plughitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, Pilch Point, and a whole lot more. And of course, you'll find all the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. All right, Abram, we are back. How have you been this week? Not bad, not bad. Time really flew, uh, really flew by. I have it to did, say, didn't it? There's, there's a lot, you know, that I wanted to get done that I did not get done work wise. But uh, you know, um, you know, decent uh, week. I uh, had a lot of fun taking my kids to a science museum today around here, so that was cool. I saw that. Uh, yeah, there's a giant, it may, be, it may be traveling, so there may be other areas getting it soon, but there's a giant Minecraft exhibit that, oh, really? uh, at the Liberty Science Center here in, uh, in the New York area. So my son who's obsessed with it, we had to take him. that. It was, uh, I mean, if you play Minecraft, you wouldn't have learned anything new uh, about, you know, about the game, sure. but... Um, but you know they had giant life-size characters that you could take your picture with. So, gotcha. <laughs> that. Uh, you know, so it was uh, it was cool. He he enjoyed it. And then we went to the planetarium and saw saw a, a little movie about black holes, and uh, it was it was cool. You know, so we had uh, we had fun there. Um, otherwise, I don't know. I mean. Uh, <sighs> Just behind on all the the work I need to do. Oh, and I've been three D printing a lot of stuff. Um, in fact, I think right now behind me is three D printing something because <laughs> we three D printed uh, my three year old daughter a uh, she wants a treasure chest. So I three D printed her a little treasure chest, and then she was bugging me that she wants a key to the treasure chest. <laughs> Sure. So I found, I found a print on Thingiverse that has like a treasure chest and then like a little lock and a little key. I don't know if that actually will work or it just looks like a like you know looks functional. Sure. Um, but, um, but I'm printing that for her. I'm printing her the key right now. So, uh, so we will, 
we will see. But um, yeah, that's so. I guess that's been my week. How about yeah. you? Uh, a, a busy one as well. Uh, we uh, got a lot done over at Strike this week, which is always always good. Uh, uh, Dave Mendez, who our regular viewers may know, is one of our uh, 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 producers for special events. He did uh, some lights and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and we've got some tournaments coming up. Uh, if you are a Fortnite player and would like to play in a, I swear I will remember this name one of these days, I think it's called a Kill Race, uh, you can go to strikeesports.com and uh, sign up to participate. Um, we're going to do three of them uh, for the next three Saturdays. And uh, you can win 13,500 uh, Fortnite V-Bucks. So, if you're a Fortnite player, I believe that's about 80 bucks uh, worth of worth of in-game currency credit. So that's pretty cool. Um, so definitely looking forward to looking forward to that. We've been doing a lot of work to get ready for that. So that's been that's been a lot of my week. Uh, it's been getting ready for that stuff, doing new graphics, and you know all the things that come with an event like that. So that's that's mostly been my week. Uh, yeah, I think that sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've also been doing a lot of 3D printing uh, in in our neck of the woods because we've uh, we've got some retail stuff going up, and I needed the little hooks that go on the pegs for for some boxes that didn't come with them, so we 3D printed those. So. I, uh, so hooks I, to hold something, hooks that actually have to hold something of weight. No, they're empty like boxes. Have to actually do, but it has to hold something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what did you? What I'm just real curious, and and while while I mention, I'm going to plug the fact that Tom's Hardware. We just put up our list of best filaments, uh, the other uh, Friday, uh, where our our expert uh, Denise Bertacci has tested like you know, hundreds of filaments and pick her favorites, but what kind of material did you use for, to print them? Um, I'm pretty sure that Chris used a pretty standard, um, actually a little old school. Cause I think it was an old roll of just standard PLA. No, nothing special. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So I find, so most for the benefit of our audience, most uh, the most popular type of filament is PLA. I got some here that's been that, that was a piece of something, but the it's also a little brittle and can and can break fairly easily if you drop it or it can melt in the sun if it's exposed to too much direct sunlight. So a lot of folks like to use other materials which are a little bit more difficult to print with such as PETG uh, and ABS. Uh, so uh, so I just so I have just uh, bought a new pet roll of PETG and I'm gonna try uh, doing some PETG today uh, soon uh, because that is supposed to be 
more durable. On the other hand, when I have tried to print pen cheap before, it's become very stringy, which is one of the problems with it is it can be very stringy. Gotcha. So if so, so I was kind of curious uh, because apparently, you know, I also, I mean, the brand of the filament and if there mm -hmm. are any additives in the filament, uh, I mean, there's some PLAs that have certain additives like carbon fiber additive that make it even more, that make it better uh, to work with. But anyway, uh, I'm always just curious what folks are printing in because even though PLA is the most popular for functional objects that have like some pressure applied to them mm -hmm. that have to carry weight or something like that, it seems that PETG is supposed to be better. If you're printing out, you know, just a like a model of Grogu or the Mandalorian or something to put on your desk, I'm being very specific because I actually did that. Um, uh -huh. Then, like printing them out in PLA is fine because you know whatever, as long as nobody drops them, they should be okay. But you know, if you're printing a, a hook to to lift something or you know something like that, I think that a you know a different material would probably would probably be a more a better choice if you could because it's more durable. I will tell you that the first design, uh, and anybody who's, well, worked in retail for sure will know what we're talking about, but anybody who's basically purchased any electronic in a retail store ever <laughs> will know. So, right, you've got your peg, and the things hang on it, right? And some products have, a, have an open hook, and some products have a closed hook from which they hang. And so uh, the first thing Chris did was he designed an open hook version. And he printed it, and while it was printing, it cracked. <laughs> um, and so he comes to me, and he's like, "I don't, I don't think this is gonna work. I don't, yeah, I don't know that this this thing is gonna work." And I hung it, and it, it did hang from it, uh, no problem. Um, but I was like, "Ideally, I'd like it to be closed." He goes, "Oh, that's better." And off he went, and he came back, you know, thirty minutes or forty-five minutes later, and he hands me a new one. He goes, here, will this work? That is perfect. Uh, so, yes, the first one legitimately cracked, I think, while it was printing, and if not while it was printing, certainly while he was taking the support materials off of it. Uh, yeah, the second one... materials are the... Yeah. The second one was no problem. He handed it to me, it was all... It was a solid loop. Here you go, and it worked like a champ. The support materials are the real problem, aren't they? Like, right yeah. here, I have a raft... Or something I printed because if I don't use the raft on it, it like doesn't stick to the to the bed, and then you know invariably like on my daughter's treasure chest, like part of it wouldn't come off no matter what I did. Yeah, it's uh, very annoying. So you know I guess we're sort of at the place where I'm old enough to have used paper printers when they were a real pain in the butt and not and were monochrome only and you didn't get great great quality but people still felt like they really accomplished something if they printed a tiny graphic on it uh -huh. well i think that's where we're at with 3d printing right now and hopefully yeah. a few years from now we'll be where we are at with uh 2d printing today where it's really easy affordable to just print out full color high high res really fast yeah for sure uh that would be that would be pretty fantastic um yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll send you a picture uh, next time in, I'm in strike. I'll yeah. send you a picture of the thing that we made. 
because uh, I got a couple of them. Um, but anyway, uh, we've got some stuff to talk about tonight, so I say we get down to it. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, an Xbox, games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. And remember, the current students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% off almost anything. And to browse the products to learn more about the discounts, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. If you live in a rural area, you know how difficult it can be to get all sorts of services. Uh, basically anything that involves uh, electronic infrastructure, whether it be uh, a solid wired internet connection or cable or even uh, cellular service can be a real pain. Uh, over the last couple of years, we've seen some new innovations uh, come into the space. You know, there's been satellite internet for a while. Companies like HughesNet, uh, that I think used to be part of DirecTV and then wasn't and then might be again. I don't know. Uh, they, uh, they were offering, they might still offer uh, satellite-based internet, although uh, for a long time the upload was still dial-up-based and the download was satellite-based because it wasn't a two-way communication. Um, Luckily, over the last couple of years, that technology has gotten better. We know Elon Musk has Starlink, um, which is actually a surprisingly solid connection. Um, Todd Cochran from Geek News Central has a Starlink connection that he cannot believe um, how well it works. And he's out in a rural area where he could not get a solid wired connection. And so let's move forward to the near future. And we're going to actually see Starlink be used to produce a cellular signal as well. It's not going to be a world-class signal, but it is going to be a cellular signal that will be able to be uh, used in areas where it's impossible to, uh, to build a tower because of, you know, regulations or licensing or, or you know, the people who own land don't want, to, don't want to have a tower there. You know, there's all kinds of reasons why it's impossible um, it's also sometimes uh, impractical, you know, to put up a multi-million dollar cell tower for six people because there's no way that ever gets paid off. Uh, so there's lots of problems in, in you know, rural areas and, and places with, with smaller populations. And so T-Mobile and Starlink are teaming up. The second generation Starlink satellites are going to have uh, the ability to be used essentially as cell towers. Now, data speeds aren't going to be great, and Elon Musk kind of joked that if there aren't many people in the area, you might get video. Uh, but, but the point is that you'll have cellular. You'll be able to make calls, send texts, you know, normal cell phone things uh, without the huge expense of putting up towers because Starlink's already putting satellites in orbit for their own purposes. Uh, and so, so you know, multi-purposing them 
doing a little bit of licensing deal with T-Mobile. Totally makes sense. It's what happened with Dish Network and uh, Sirius before the Sirius XM merger. Um, Sirius was actually uh, licensing time on Dish Network satellites uh, to make the the uh, the process of getting satellite radio uh, easier and not having to put as many satellites up. Uh, exact exact same thing here. I personally, I think this is a, a a really smart move on both Starlink and Timos. Sure, why not? I mean. Yeah, I mean, T-Mobile has been really good about doing things to try and sort of provide extra value to uh, to customers. Whether it was whether it's giving them uh, some level of free, of free included international service when mm-hmm. they're traveling, uh, not the fastest, T- but T-Mobile Tuesdays. Yeah, and right. I never found anything I like. I'm a T-Mobile member. I've never found anything I liked on T-Mobile Tuesday, but. 20, you know, 20 cents per you? gallon back on Shell Gas. Oh, okay. Uh, I I don't really buy the gas in my family, yeah. so I wouldn't have noticed that one. <laughs> but uh, the, um, I don't know if we even have Shell around here. But, uh, but yeah. So, I mean, anyway, sure, this is a good move by them. People want to have their, um, at least have some degree of, perception where they're going sure uh i have to say that while i really like uh my t-mobile service it's not equally good everywhere i go even in my sure. local area it's not sure. great in my house although it doesn't matter because i have wi-fi uh as long as i just my home internet is working and i've got it's a, not i've got a know, repeater yeah. on this building uh, just and, in case <laughs> i mean I mean, that's not, I mean, my, my biggest concern is when I'm out and about, it seems to be pretty decent, but uh, I don't get anywhere near 5G speeds on my 5G phone. Um, you know, I, I actually get better speeds when I turn it to L, turn it to LTE only. Mm. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, now it could be that because my phone doesn't support the M-Wave band. So maybe that's, maybe that's the big issue, but. Yeah, because you know, cause, anyway, five uh, G standard uh, speeds aren't that much different than LTE. Uh, the the final generation of LTE. Yeah, I mean, so it, today I, I took a trip uh, to New Jersey, and uh, as we were driving down the highway, there was actually a T Mobile ad, and it said, "It's very coincidental, five G from here to Philadelphia," like. You know, which if you travel, I think the road we were on was like I-95 or something. You travel down it like from where we were in northern Jersey, you keep going and you end up in Philadelphia. So the sign was like from here to, although that's like two or three hours drive. Uh, So I thought, okay, normally I have my phone at LTE only because it actually, if I have it on 5G anywhere near my house, it's terrible. It's like operating on 3G. So, which is weird because your phone should be smart and right. you would think and say, oh, 4, 4G is better here, so I'm just going to stick with LTE, but it doesn't. Unless there's no 5G at all, if there's any 5G, right. it will try to, to grab the bad 5G. So I do this and my wife does it on her completely different phone. 
we we put we set the phones to just do 4G, but I wanted to try this, so I set it to 5G and I did a speed test, and I got like 40 down, 20 up, which is decent. It's pretty decent, but it's not 5G. I right. mean, in that I've gotten faster on 4G on LTE. Now, in the same area where I switched it to LTE, it was like 16 and 16. So the 5G actually was better where I was testing okay. by a little bit. But, you know, I, I was in the impression that, you know, I've never gotten a 5G speed that was like, you know, these hundreds of, you know, hundreds of megabytes per second, per sure. second that you're, hundreds of megabit per second that you're supposed to get, right? I, I've never gotten speeds that were better than a decent four than a good 4G connection so yeah. and uh, I, I experienced that too um it so inside the studio i only get 5g 5g right and then as soon as i step out of the studio into mission control um it goes to 5g uh uc like it's the threshold for the studio right there when i <laughs> when i step past it i go to 5g uc so uh, sitting here right now, I just got 18.8 down. But right. if I cross that door, I'll get 160 down. Oh. <laughs> well, well, well. Now, Unf unfortunately, the repeater that's in here is not 5G. So <laughs> it, was a, it was a review product from a while back. So it's actually a 4G uh, uh, repeater. So... I get a, a significantly stronger 4G if 5G isn't great. Um, but yeah, it's it's wild, the difference between standard 5G and 5G UC, which is what T-Mobile calls uh, millimeter band. Um, so as soon as I step into mission control, boom, I'm going to go up by 8X. Wow. Well, this phone I have doesn't even support that because it's a Pixel 4a 5G, which doesn't have that band. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess the next phone... That I get, we'll maybe we'll have that, and then we'll then we'll see. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's good to know. Like, as I'm a T-Mobile customer, and it's good to know that if I was going somewhere that was a little bit off the grid, that there was a better chance I would get get some kind of signal. Yeah. So because when when we did so our, like our road trip, you know, uh, beginning of July, there were a lot of places I ended up where we the phone would go 3G, and then. Dot, 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 3G, 4G, 5G, 4G, 3G, dot, 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 dot. Uh, so, I mean, we ended up in some places where we, we wouldn't have had service, and I think the audience knows that we had car trouble and the rental car died on us. That would have been horrible <laughs> to have happened uh, in one of those dead zones. Uh, fortunately, we also had an AT&T phone with us, and between the two, uh, devices we were never without service which I thought was interesting but uh, they were on and off at different times but we were never with 100% without service but we're the oddballs right <laughs> most people have one service across a group <laughs> yep so and the good news here um, is I know everybody's hearing satellite and phones and they're thinking Jurassic Park 3 and the, you know a phone that only calls on satellite it's a very different thing not the case. Um, this is going to work on the the 
the quote is most, if not all, um, of the active T-Mobile phones. Now, if it's one of the older phones that's been around for a while, it may or may not. But this is supposed to support basically anything that's out there right now. So you won't have to have anything special. You won't have to say, well, I might end up in one of these places. I need to get this model like we were just talking about with 5G and 5G UC, right? There's none of that. The the standard devices that are on the market uh, should all work with this new feature, which I think technologically is fascinating. I can't wait to hear more about how that works. Uh, but um, I, I also look forward to seeing it in action. I suspect that, that one of us will do, will figure out how to do some tests on it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, live. we don't do a lot of, so to be fair, we don't do phone coverage at, at all at Tom's hardware. We used to before my time. And then there was a side in the company that, uh, that would be Tom's guide to, to yeah. do. And now, Phones are not a kind of enthusiast uh, topic that we cover. We are, right. but interestingly, since well, one you of the sisters it up, should we at the very yes, least. Yes, I'm sure that I'm sure they will. Uh, but uh, maybe, hopefully. But anyway, <laughs> but interestingly, we uh, we had an interest um, interesting. Uh, one of our editors, Brandon Hill, had a very interesting experience with T-Mobile's home internet service, and home internet sir like i think this is what everybody would like right uh-huh. like you would like 5g to be able to replace your home internet provider you would like it to be able to replace uh fios or spectrum or cox or comcast because, or one of those because, because that gives us one more alternative right because you and i talk all the time about the internet monopoly yeah. for so many people this bypasses yeah. that and gives another alternative, and with competition comes comes uh, fixes. Yes, right. So that's you know, for one, it brings more competition. For another, uh, the installation uh, cost is like nil, right? No one has to come to your house to install it. Drill uh, holes. So drill holes, install it, whatever. Uh, it's so it seems like a great idea however there's probably a reason why no one has rolled such a thing out until recently so t-mobile has is the first and only i believe unless you do know of another that off to company to offer 5g home internet only one i know of there was there was clear wire in the 4g uh wimax era but nothing right. I remember, I remember that, and we actually did test it, and it was not. That was not, you know, I was like getting you three megabit per second, which, you know, at the time I guess wasn't so terrible, but that was that's terrible for home internet. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, Brandon, who lives in, um, Brandon lives in, uh, I think he lives in. Uh, Brandon, who lives in South Carolina, was okay. like, hey, I can get this in my area. I'm going to get it. And he got it. And uh, for two weeks that he had it, it was fantastic. He was getting 
500 megabit down and like 70 up. Wow. Which is, which for $50 a month, uh, you know, the, uh, he, and he used something like 750 gigabytes of data at that time, because this, you know, this is his home internet and there was no, there's no, uh, cap. So he, you know, he was using a ton of data, uh, because, you know, his family was using it for streaming sure. on a bunch of different TVs. And so he wrote an article for us saying, this is fantastic. I'm so happy with it. Uh, and, and people read it. They were excited. Even, you know, even though it's not normally subject to cover, he was doing it. It's a tech topic. We're like, hey, let's, let's write about it. Sure. Uh, two weeks, two weeks and, after he got in it. In fairness, in fairness, doing something this niche in this market is pretty enthusiast. Yes, yes. I mean, look, we're 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 cool with uh, stuff like yeah. this. I mean, I always tell our writers like, if it happens to you, then it could be a really good story. Sure, sure. So, like the story that you and I were talking about last week about wiping your computer, like that happened to me. I have a computer mm -hmm. I needed to wipe. So, anyway, the so after two weeks, we said, hey, why don't you do a follow up story and and like talk about how it's been for two weeks and like actually do something even more intense like try streaming on like three or four tvs in 4k at the same exact time and, and report if that's okay so like a couple hours into him working on the story we get a message from him my whole internet went out and i can't get it back uh he he tried calling t-mobile and they get and he they had him do all the standard stuff that they have you did you turn it off and on again did sure. you pull power cycle it whatever uh did you try taking the sim card out and putting it back in all that stuff and then after they had him on for a long time they said oh uh since we can't find another solution we're telling you uh there's a tower being upgraded in your area try again try you know try again in a couple of days uh and you in know a couple of days because right he's like this is my home internet like i can't you know just go without so he he, uh, he canceled the service and he went back to uh, Spectrum, which is what he had before. Uh, now that would have been the end of the story, I guess, except that he started looking around the internet and it seems that there were a ton of complaints from people about the same thing happening to them. And they, and they were never able to get back on the service again and had to cancel. Like wow. a lot of people saying like, I've signed up for the service. It was great for a few weeks or a month, and then it disconnected. And I and they sent me new new hardware, uh, and it didn't oh. work. They like, you know, I think they had sent Brandon new hardware too. It's not a hardware problem. We don't know exactly what it is, but we have one of the readers have. There are some towers that it have something to do with the tower in that. There are some types of towers that will not accept a connection from the home internet uh, box. Even sure. so, like he, like a friend of his who has T-Mobile for phones, which he does not, uh, came over and their phone worked fine. So, right. like T-Mobile service is working fine in his house, but home internet won't. Apparently, it apparently it may hit like if it hits a certain type of tower, it won't be given a connection or whatever oh. and 
that's different from your phone, which can kind of jump around to different towers. So anyway, uh, because it has to have, be a UC tower, I guess. So, so anyway, the, the long story short of it is he couldn't get service back. Um, and uh, T-Mobile didn't really have an answer when we contacted them. They're like, oh, well, you know, why don't you call our sport again and we'll help you. Like, um, but uh, we have a story coming out uh, perhaps tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, perhaps later in the week uh, where we've interviewed someone who is a former T-Mobile uh, servant, customer service employee who, know, who recently left and has some inside information about uh, what is actually going on there. Wow. And it, it doesn't. Um, so uh, we also heard from, a, we also heard from, I won't, I won't spoil what the former no. person said right now, but I will spoil, uh, I will spoil that we also talked to a bunch of readers and you know some of whom had, uh, had, I mean, there were actually a couple of people who had who actually had to continue to work for them. So good sure. for them. But uh, there, a whole bunch who had like voluntarily ma- just mailed in and after reading the last article about this and said, like, this is terrible. Mine doesn't work. And the, the best story was from someone who got the service was getting terrible. Uh, connectivity all along. They never had the 500 down that okay. Brandon had. And uh, and uh, when they finally, after many support calls, T-Mobile said to them, sorry, your area doesn't have good enough service for this. And 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 so, he, and so they canceled his service. So they sold it to him when they never should have. Wow. In other words. Wow. So... Uh, so unfortunately it seems like this service has some issues. Yeah. Sounds like it. Um, I know that I've got an alert for my address and now I'm even more interested because I want, I want to try I mean, it. Right. I, I mean, want to try I, it I, at the very least I, I to be able to, to, to play in this try game. It. Try, try it and see what happens. I mean, you might luck out. It seems to me like maybe if there's not a, a lot of people taking up the whatever the good tower is near you, and then your connection, I guess, stays and it's good. I mean, I also don't know. Uh, I, I mean, know. this is the more people, we, the smaller it, the cell gets. And if you're on a ring, yeah. you might fall out of that cell when more things are connected. Fascinating. Yeah, I, that might have happened to him. I also wonder if the fact that he used so much data might it might have gotten him uh, kicked off the tower or something. Maybe. Uh, but that's just pure speculation on <laughs> yeah. my part. Uh, yeah. Because there's not supposed to be a data cap. And let's be clear, like, that, we, you and I have talked about data caps before. Yeah. He's not going around running like a, running a peer-to-peer s- server over here, ser- sure. you know, serving, uh, you know, serving video files to people like he's he's just using it like the rest of us would use it in that mm-hmm. he's cut the cord and he's got a family and so there's multiple people using multiple devices sure. at the same time streaming things sure like that's that's re- that's reality for a lot for most for a lot of people today so yeah 
using you know a few hundred gigabytes of uh, data in a couple of weeks is not uh, is not crazy uh, at all for a normal person. No. Uh, what did we uh, last time we did a story about average home uh, internet usage? The the average monthly usage for a household had gone up to one point three terabytes a month or something like that. Oh, really? Okay. Was that what it was? So like in that? effect. So oh, I mean okay. he I was that. he was just slightly ahead of at seven fifty for two weeks. He ever so slightly ahead of the the average U.S. household. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's a precise. I'm not sure if that's a but, precise number when he's. But yeah, you know. but I mean, if we're yeah. talking 750, that's only slightly ahead of the the average yes. uh, consumer household. And, and power, remember, they had to bump the 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 baseline for what a power user was considered up to like 2.3 or something because of the shift of the average. Um. So yeah, really, I mean, he, yeah. Was well, he was well below power user uh, at theoretically one point five ish uh, over right. a two yeah. week time period. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird. Fair enough. So uh, so anyway, I I mean I I would be really curious. Uh, I'd be really curious what happens. Uh, <laughs> one more thought I'll give you on that is that my coworker Matt, who lives around here. Uh, Brandon lives in South Carolina, like I said, mm-hmm. but, but Matt lives in New Jersey. He got a notice that he could get it in his apartment, and he was eager to try it for the same reason. Like, I want to see what happens. Yeah. And he went to sign up. As soon as he signed up, he got an email saying, "Sorry that we don't act. We don't actually have it in your area, even though you signed up." <gasps> so, um, oh, so in other words, uh, let me know if you do do it. If you actually if if you actually get a shipping notice that something which that that they're yeah. shipping you the the whatever you call the modem yeah for uh, sure because I, now more than ever i want to do this not necessarily because i want the service but i i've wanted to test it right i've always i thought that was a fascinating thing i've wanted to test it i tested out clearwire uh long ago um i had one of those ugly black boxes for a little while uh so yeah, I'd love to be able to test this and be able to compare it to what that was a decade plus ago um, just to see what wireless home internet looks like. So I'm, I'm on a list. I want, As soon as it's available, um, I will give it a shot. But uh, you said that'll be this week? Maybe tomorrow? Maybe the next day? Yes, we're just getting some more detail from a couple sources and then uh, our follow-up. So we'll see. Look forward to that. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality plus it's available for almost all of your devices uh you can get a special price and a 31 day money back guarantee right now by going to pilchpoint.live slash pure vpn
right, Avram. What have you got for us tonight? All right. So uh, let's talk about what you can buy right now in terms of a gaming laptop. So this is a great time. I think we mentioned this a few weeks ago. This is actually a fantastic time to buy a PC uh, in, in terms of price and availability. Now, we do know that this fall, we're likely going to see some new chips, uh, both new CPUs and new graphics cards. And so if you want the, oh, if you're a person who wants to debt live on the bleeding edge, okay, maybe wait two, three months because there's probably going to be some new CPUs and GPUs coming out. But if you do not have to live on the bleeding edge and you want a good value for your money, now is a fantastic time because uh, all of the stock problems seem to be gone uh, when it comes to graphics cards and CPUs. In fact, there is a glut. And with new parts about to come out, companies cannot wait to get rid of them. So things are going on sale. Um, I mean, there may be even bigger sales around Black Friday. Who knows? But right now, you can get a really solid really good gaming laptop for less than fifteen hundred dollars uh so let's so let so what should we expect for an end for under fifteen hundred dollars first of all we'll start with the most important feature for a gaming laptop uh deter in determining performance and that's the graphics chip period like it's not the cpu cpu doesn't matter that much for uh, especially when you're doing gaming at 1080p resolution. The, I'd say it doesn't matter, but what matters the most by far is the quality of the graphics card you're getting. And so for under $1,500, you, your best graphics card is going to be either uh, an NVIDIA RTX 3070. If you find a laptop on sale for the 3070, now normally your that's that's an extreme sale normally you're in this price range you're talking about a 3060 card uh, or a 3050 ti um and but uh the higher up that wrong you can go the better or if it's an am uh system one with a uh radeon 6800m uh that is actually going to be a, a little better than a 3060 in terms of uh frame rates uh, now, you should expect to be able to play on a sub $1,500, like a laptop that's between, say, $12 and $1,500. You should be able to play 1080 games at 1080p resolution and high or ultra high settings in the, let's say, 40 to 70 FPS range. Uh, if it is a lower end game or you lower the settings, you could go, go up the ladder in terms of frame rates. Um, if you lower the resolution, you can go up the ladder in terms of frame rates. And if you turn on ray tracing, uh, then you will see lower frame rates. But with the higher end cards there, you still will probably be able to play it at maybe in the 30, 40, 50 FPS range. So, um, you know, and by the way, for the folks who are up on the gamer lingo, FPS frames per second, you really don't want to go below 30 frames per second. Because uh, when you're watching a movie, 
you're mostly watching at what is a standard movie frame rate 24 or 29 summer 20, 29 29.9 uh is is uh kind of the standard production uh 24 and 48 are the two um kind of alternate 24 is your uh your i think your film rate 29.9 is your digital video rate and 48 is what peter jackson i think was using for a couple of movies that required special projectors and were really weird to watch yes soap opera effect so <laughs> yeah exactly uh, they call it right um but anyway not to get uh in, in, into that tangent so you want 30 fps for, for i would consider a game barely playable or not playable if it's below 30 fps uh getting closer to 60 fps is better and you know hardcore gamers they like to get closer to 100 or over 100 fps uh those who do shooting games you know they they play uh call of duty things like that and especially competitively fortnite something like that uh the higher the frame rate the better their their aim so that that matters a lot now all of these gaming laptops in this price range are going to have 1920 by 1080 otherwise no 1080p screens you're not going to get a 2k screen and fortunately you're not going to get a 720p screen and the screens are all going to be high refresh rate which means they're all going to be either 120 144 or 165 hertz there may be a couple that are above 165 hertz uh although your graphics card probably can't deliver enough frames for that to map so the uh, again forgive me if i'm telling folks what they already know but the hertz is the amount of refreshes the screen does per second and with modern technology the graphics card whether it's amd or nvidia tries to use variable uh, adaptive sync so it will say oh screen can show 165 hertz means the screen can actually show 165 frames per second but if the graphics card can only deliver is only delivering 60 frames a second then let's make the screen operate at 60 hertz so that uh they're synchronized because if they're not synchronized then you have tearing and ghosting so uh similarly you know if for some reason your graphics card was trying to deliver 200 frames per second and your screen could only do 100 it would say graphics card sorry you've got to max out at 144 frames so that uh, we don't exceed the the speed of the screen so anyway uh for what you are doing with these the 100 165 hertz display is going to be probably more uh speed the graphics card can provide uh, for the games that you're going to play so uh, aside from the screen and the graphics card you can expect uh, to get a 500 gigabyte to maybe if you're lucky and you find a sale one terabyte ssd uh, and you're going to get 16 gigabytes of ram if you spend less than a thousand dollars then you can expect that you'll probably be looking at more systems that have eight gigabytes of ram and a measly like 256 gigabyte ssd neither of those is very good 
uh, to work with, especially the 256 gig SSD, considering that a modern game can take 50, 100, or 150 gigabytes all by itself. Uh, fortunately, most uh, of these laptops call, are upgradable. Call of Duty uh, War Zone um, has an install size, I think, currently of like 128 gig. Right. So, so right. So, like, I guess if you had Windows, Windows 11, which it comes, which all they all come with, and Call of Duty, and the new Call of Duty had nothing else installed. And no, and no other data, no pictures, no documents. Um, then I guess you might make it. You might ninety percent of your drive eaten up. Um, but two hundred fifty-six gig is just is just really unacceptably low amount. Uh, so uh, for especially for if you're gaming. So uh, the good news is most of these laptops are upgradable, and it costs a lot less to buy an SSD on the aftermarket than it does to buy a more expensive laptop. So, uh, you know, that's something to keep in mind. One can get a, a very capable one terabyte SSD for about $80 these days, 85, 80 to $85, sometimes less. Uh, so, um, that's an upgrade option for you. Uh, you can also getting a 16 gigs of Ram to replace your eight gig. It, let's say they give you an eight gig chip, so you can't. You have to yank it out and put two eight gig matching chips or something. Uh, you can get a pair of SODIMs for fifty to seventy five dollars. So, upgrading is not uh, out of reach uh, at all uh, if you get uh, lower specs. But uh, so let's take a really quick look at a couple of things that are available right this minute. Uh, that are within this within these price ranges. So over here, I have uh, now this is a sale this week or clearance. So you know, you always see things on sale and clearance. So it just depends what each week. So this is a great deal right here because you're getting a Ryzen nine, which is it's perfectly fine to get an a either an AMD or an Intel processor because the processor is much less important than. The other things like the graphics card you're getting a 3070 you're getting a one terabyte ssd which is a nice size and 16 gigs of ram and oh wow something i said you probably can't get in this price range a qhd or otherwise known as a 2k screen uh for 1479 uh that's not very common though so let's let's look at what is a little more common so here uh this is an under 1000 this is one of the best under 1000 uh deals here the acer nitro 5 um, get for $849, or not if it's not on sale, $999. You get a Core i5, an RTX 3050 Ti, which is, I wouldn't turn ray tracing on with it, but uh, it probably give you a good, you know, 30 to 50 frames per second at high settings. Um, and a 512 gig SSD for, uh, for $849. Um, Another really good deal here is the Asus. Again, I guess there's some really good deals on Asus laptops in this price range. Is the Asus uh, ROG Strix G15 Advantage Edition? Uh, actually, this is also 2K screen. Uh, you get it with uh, Ryzen 9 5980HX, which is a good processor. 
and the 6800M, which is actually, uh, our test was about uh, 15 to 20 frames per second faster than a 3060. Uh, so, uh, so that's a pretty good, that's a really good deal here. Here's another uh, one here where you see a 3070 um, and a Core i, Intel Core i7 and 512 gigabyte SSD for, uh, for 1399. So that's what you can get if you're willing, to, if you can spend under $1,500. Now, what are you missing out on? Well, you're missing out on some of the kind of nice design and creature comforts you get with some more expensive things. Like you notice there's no Alienware on this uh, that I've mentioned. You really will be hard pressed to find like an Alienware, which is, you know, premier design or Razer uh, laptop, which is kind of premier design in this price range. Uh, but, um, you know, if what you're looking for is is performance, is solid performance, then you will get it. You you know, the keyboard will be okay. The design will be okay. But, you know, it may or may not be the best keyboard or the most beautiful design that you could get on a gaming laptop with these specs. Gotcha. Well, uh, those sound like, sound like some pretty impressive... Uh, PCs, honestly, especially in that in that price range, uh, two of them with with two uh, K screens, that was that was a surprise yeah. for me. Yeah, and thirty seventy. So you you actually with a thirty seventy, you could take a stab at playing in two K. I mean, you might not get fantastic frame rates, but you probably get in the you know forty to fifty FPS range, maybe. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing to look for when you read reviews of these, which we have of many of those, is what is the um, the color and brightness like on the screens? Because while they're all probably usually in the same resolution and and you know relative uh, refresh rate, relative you know relatively similar refresh rates, uh, I'm looking for ones that come out a little brighter, a little more colorful, uh, is a plus. So. Um, yeah, we're going to have a list of our favorite uh, sub $1,500 laptops up in the next day or two um, on tomshardware.com. Uh, so come check it out. And we're continuing to test, uh, get in and test some other sub $1,500 and sub $1,000 gaming laptops uh, so folks can really take advantage and get uh, take advantage and get something that they that is good and that they can uh, really enjoy. Uh, my top piece of advice though is it doesn't have to be the latest mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be the latest model it doesn't have a lot of systems you could save a few bucks by getting it with last year's cpu like an 11th gen core or or a ryzen 5000 instead of 6000 series processor sure like it doesn't matter very much like what the graphics card matters a lot but even getting last year's graphics card, if it is a good graphics card, then it will serve you well for years. You do not always need, uh, if you are on any kind of a budget, and I think we all are, um, you do not have to have the latest generation mm -hmm. to have a great experience that will last you a very long time. 
Yeah, for sure. And it, you know, a lot of it comes down to what your what your intentions are, right? Because um, you know, you think about um, uh, esports, which is you know we've been involved in that with with strike, with with esports, you tend to keep your your resolution resolution at 1080. You tend to keep your your uh, render mode at you know normal or high um, because the frame rate's the most important thing. And so a lot of people are using 2060s uh, in that category because you can easily get it done uh, for inexpensive and get get what you need on on the the specs. So yeah, you don't necessarily always have to have the latest and greatest to to have the yeah. the best performance depending on what it is you're trying to accomplish. And and that's what the 144 hertz is for, really. Like people who are just playing to play, mm-hmm. who aren't you know trying to be sort of play esports type titles, uh, something like an Apex Legend or Legends or something like that. Uh, they are probably going to be happy playing at 60, 70 FPS. Mm-hmm. But uh, for folks who are being playing competitively, uh, having 144 hertz or two, or if they can go even up the scale higher to like 300 hertz, they are uh, going to have a better chance to hit a target in a game. Uh, I had a very, this is somewhat aside, somewhat of an aside from the uh, issue of buying a gaming laptop specifically. Or it's certainly not a sub fifteen hundred dollar one, but I had a, uh, a meeting with Nvidia a few weeks ago, and they want to talk to us about latency, uh, how you know, and how important it is to do things that re- that some of their technologies are that reduce latency. And uh, one thing I really never thought about, perhaps you've thought about it, but I certainly haven't, is that what you see on your screen is you're looking into the past right like the video card and the computer are actually like a certain number of milliseconds ahead of what you're seeing so if you saw a character run in front of you it might actually be past you in the computer's mind by the time you see it it's almost like staring into outer space where you see light from a distant star that's traveled that you know is showing you something that happened you know, and a million years ago. I would say and could have been gone for thousands or millions of years. Right. It could be gone now, but we don't know because what we're seeing is still there. So right. like that's so in computer in the world of computers, that time difference might be, you know, seventy milliseconds. But that's a valuable 70 milliseconds yeah. and like using a technology that lowers the latency down to like 30 milliseconds might be the difference between shooting and hitting your shot on a fast moving object mm-hmm. and not and shooting at what you think is in front of you but is already um, that's why having the high refresh rate matters and having things low latency matter um, there's some technologies in graphics uh and in the gaming that are lowering latency but also uh if you're using peripherals uh you know that matters too like you you know you get a you get something you get a mouse with a high polling rate you get a keyboard with a high polling rate mm-hmm. because you know you want to make sure that your keystroke that your click 
gets processed and sets the computer really fast. Hundred yep. percent. And uh, also, uh, one thing that people don't uh, tend to look at the uh, the spec on is the monitors delay. Um, the ones I've got, I've got a couple at strike. Uh, one and three millisecond delays on the monitors when a consumer monitor tends to be 30 plus, uh, you know, that's, that is a significant difference um, in latency. Yeah. Introduced entirely by the monitor. And then if you're doing things like streaming, if you've got like a dual PC set up and you're pushing from one to the other, you might have a splitter or something involved and that might be adding latency as well. Yeah, so there's so much opportunity for something to slow you down mm-hmm. and it might be, you know, barely or barely perceptible to you know, that amount of time might be very hard to perceive, but right. it matters. And they showed me in some demos that like Hey, look, we've done something to lower the latency. Here's a character that like was running across the screen past like an open door. Can you hit him? And like with the late without the latency improvement, we could not. Uh, Matt and I uh, could not hit the hit the target. Once they put on the improved latency, we hit the target. So, yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, I look forward to seeing and hearing more about that since we've you know dived in full <laughs> feet first into this. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to hearing yeah. more about that in the future. Yep. Uh, we will have more about that. We do test latency, but uh, we're working on some new tests for that too. Cool. Well, Avram, as always, I appreciate it. That was a, uh, that was an extra interesting uh, topic for me this evening. And uh, I know a lot of our viewers have had questions about, about gaming stuff. We, you know, they, they respond to the, the laptop topics all the time. So uh, definitely appreciate that. And as always, I look forward to what we talk about next time. This week's Extra Life and F5 Live is proudly powered by EXA. EXA brings the latest technology to gamers, offering the most immersive products for the ultimate gaming experience. They've compiled the best elements of cutting-edge ENC tech, Bluetooth 5, 7.1 surround, plus extra features like dual mics and low latency into their headsets so everyone can enjoy a sensational gaming experience. And they've got headsets for Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and PC, plus they won't break the bank. To learn more about the headsets that are available and any current promotions, you can go to f5live.tv slash exa. Speaking of uh, speaking of strike, I can tell you we are running some exa stuff over there and uh, I cannot believe how good they are for the price. Anyway, that's not our topic, but we are going to talk about prices uh, this week, it was revealed that Sony plans to increase the price of the PlayStation 5 in almost all major markets. In fact, the only market where they said the price will not guarantee will not be increasing <laughs> uh, 
um, is here in the United States. Uh, everybody else is seeing an increase. Um, they're ranging from the equivalent of about 30 to $80 US, um, obviously all in local currency. Um, it doesn't matter the model that you're talking about. The, uh, the standard PlayStation and the all digital edition uh, are both getting the price increases and they tend to be about the same price increase um, for both models. Uh, it's region to region where the price increase seems to vary. Um, they're saying that it is because of inflation, which I think I think we can, you know, if you understand the way you know, manufacturing works, the PlayStation is made up of components. Those components are made up of components. And, you know, at every level, there's they're getting hit by inflation. I can understand how that would how that would have an impact. Generally, the way this works is the other way. The more that are produced, the less expensive it is to produce a component. Um, but in this case, we're seeing the actual cost of the core underlying chips and silicon going up. And therefore, everything above it goes up. And so Sony is increasing the price. However, Microsoft and Nintendo have both come out and said, uh, we're not going to do that. We're good with where we are. Um, our prices, we have absolutely no intention of changing the prices as of right now um, and don't see it as a possibility in the foreseeable future, which is interesting. Um, I think that's either, personally, I think that's either... The two companies saying, we already had a, mar a margin on these things and we're not quite as worried about the, about the increase in cost. Or it's a little bit like the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, E3 thing where Microsoft went first. <laughs> PlayStation saw how bad uh, the market responded to them saying it was going to ship with the Kinect and the always on and all that. And Sony in like the four or five hours between Microsoft's press conference and theirs, they changed their business model because <laughs> they were going to require PlayStation Move and they were going to have an always on feature. And in that like five hours, they changed their business model for the PS4. This might be the same thing, but in reverse, Microsoft and Nintendo going, "Ooh, people are really mad at Sony. We're, we promise we won't do the same thing. I don't know. I mean, it's good publicity. It's mm -hmm. good publicity for them, I guess, to say that. Um, but I don't understand the the, the anger. Like, it, the people who are angry about this probably already bought one, right? So, like, yeah, if they're that, if they're following it that closely, that they like are. I mean, there's just a lot of consumers out there who they want to buy a PlayStation for their themselves or their kid or something like that. And they're probably not sitting there reading news about the cost of PlayStations all day. So so people who are keeping up with this news probably already have one if they wanted one. Unless they're... Uh, so, I mean... In fairness, eh. in fairness, the PlayStation 5 is still difficult to get. You can get your hands on a, a Series X. The Series S has never been a problem. The Switch has generally not been a problem. But the PS5 is still difficult to get so there are i mean i'm on a list <laughs> i've been on a list for uh, three okay i'm so, on three okay, maybe those folks actually are, for a ps5 maybe those folks are ups, are upset unless they're in the united states where they're not getting a price range sure. raise which why why not like why why 
is America getting a break? Maybe the margin's already better here. I don't know. Maybe they're already differently. I have no idea. I mean, it's it's weird. America. I mean, America they, gets a real break. Are they are they looking to uh to avoid the wrath of hip hop gamer this time? America gets a re- I mean, America gets a real break when it comes to the yeah. cost of electronics. Like, uh, you know, we the cost of electronics is cheaper here than pretty much anywhere. It is cheaper here. It is no cheaper in Taiwan. Like, right. Having been to Taiwan a lot of times, I go to the computer mall and I'm always like, oh, I bet there's going to be a cheap CPU here. I bet it's good. I'm going to save money. Never. It's usually more expensive, or at best, or at best, it's the same price. So, it, it and if you do the exchange rates, like people in the UK are always paying more, people yeah. in Europe are always paying more. So, um, I don't know about uh, I don't know about various Asian countries what people pay, but like people, America is the cheapest place is arguably the cheapest place to buy uh to buy electronics so um you know i i i don't know why maybe people think this market is valuable so they they charge less uh, maybe maybe there's some economies of scale here uh i don't know maybe tariffs are less uh i lots I of possibilities maybe, for sure uh, also, some of the prices in other countries are including tax in the price, True. whereas here we don't. Like you pay the tax, but you it's not included when they mention it. Like in uh, UK, they have VAT built into built into the price of things. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, anyway, it's here's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, it's here's what I think is going to happen. Although I don't think it matters because we're here in the U.S., so we're probably not going to notice, uh, to be honest. But I think that they're going to raise the price by a little bit, and then come holiday shopping time, they're just going to bring it back to what it was and call it a sale. Could be the uh, the going out of business liquidation sale uh, methodology: raise the price and then drop it and say it's on sale. I mean. <laughs> We see it all the time. We see it with Amazon Prime Day and you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, and, and other and is where you'll see something like if you look at the price history of something, it was low. Then like a few weeks before, or just even sometimes just a few days before, it shoots up again. And then for the you know for the the deal holiday or whatever, it gets lower. And I'm not like mm-hmm. uh, you know, so you see that with various vendors. I'm not, I'm not saying it's actually Amazon. It's like the vendors that use it. There's, right, right. you will see, you'll see this happen a lot. So you know, it's a common strategy. Uh, if 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 wants to partake in this strategy, they're going to have to raise the price right about now if they want to lower it in November. True. True. I'll. I know. So, I know uh, that. Like with with uh, Hilco liquidations, anybody who's worked in retail and been through a Hilco liquidation, um, you know you'll have something on clearance in your store before Hilco buys everything, 
and it's on, on clearance for like 1997. And no, this is not a real example from when Hilco uh, did the liquidation at Radio Shack at all. Yes, it is. Uh, something was on clearance for 1997 with a retail of 99.99. And what did Hilco do? It went back up to 99.99, and they put a 10% discount on it. Ha <laughs> ha. So. Hey. Before the going out of business sale, it was less expensive than during. <laughs> Whoops. So yeah, yeah, that's a that's a long-standing thing. So yeah, it's totally possible that we'll see something like that, maybe or maybe not here in the U.S. Though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, it's definitely an interesting situation. I don't know that we've seen the price of a console. I mean. Until it's out of production, and then yeah, that makes things different. But while a pro while a console's in production, I don't know that I've we've seen a console go up before. The Oculus uh, Quest Two uh, just went up a hundred bucks without any new features uh, three or four weeks ago. Um, but that's not exactly a console per se, but. This isn't the first time we're seeing something in this space do it, though, because the, the Quest 2 just did it. So, I don't know. Hopefully this isn't going to become a trend uh, in, in the space of the products whose prices were announced, right? And I think that's part of it, right? So, they announced the PlayStation 5. This is going to be its retail price. Hooray! We all know what we're getting ourselves into, uh, getting excited about the product, and then it goes up later. That's uncommon. <laughs> so later is like two. Later is like two years later, though. So it's two years later, and it's going up, though. That's. I mean, that's. That's not common, no. no. But you know, things and and certainly not in I this mean, space. In the in the gaming console space, I think it might be unheard of. Um, I don't. I don't know for sure, but I think this is the first time it's happened. Uh, so, so that it's setting up first to anything uncomfortable is never uh, a win, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> that might be where some of the where some of the anger is coming from. I don't. I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying that might be where it's coming from. Um, I mean, nobody yes. likes to see the price of anything go up. True. So true. sure. So. Anyway, Nobody likes to see the price of anything go up. Yeah. We'll be uh, we'll be keeping an eye on this uh, to see if maybe at the holidays they put it on sale back to the regular price, or uh, if this just happens, or uh, and if it ever comes and affects us here in the U.S. This week's news from the Tubes and F5 Live is proudly powered by Malwarebytes. Whether you use a PC, a Mac, or a mobile device, Malwarebytes Premium is the company's strongest protection ever. It fights threats that traditional antivirus software can't stop, plus uh, traditional issues like rogues, dialers, rootkits, exploits, and a whole lot more. It allows you to use your computer and mobile devices with confidence and peace of mind. And to learn more and to get a special price, you can go to f5live.tv slash malwarebytes.
speaking of privacy, uh, DuckDuckGo once again is in the news. A year ago, we basically never talked about these guys, and now it seems like they're filling up our <laughs> our timeline. Um, this week, it's because um, a new product from them called uh, Email Protection has gone public beta. Uh, this service acts essentially as an email proxy. Um, you give out your whatever at duck.com email address uh, when you sign up to make a purchase online or to get coupons from Bed Bath & Beyond before they go out of business or <laughs> what, whatever you're doing, you give them this email address. And what happens is uh, before they forward the email to you, they pull out tracking codes. Now, a lot of tracking codes are innocuous and have nothing to do with nothing. Uh, the UTM, for example, uh, for exa if you were to click on the uh, the an article in your RSS feeder, I RSS feeder, what RSS reader reader from either us, uh, probably Tom's hardware. There'll be a little thing at the end that says UTM equals RSS or something to that effect. Um, just lets us know, you know, where people are consuming our content the most. Same thing with, with from an email, uh, UTM equals email. Uh, but there are other tracking uh, systems in emails that are less innocuous, uh, less straightforward. Um, and you know some people don't like that that kind of uh, information that they didn't necessarily request because you know maybe you give your your email to a retail store and then they sell it to other people and you click on an email you're like why did I get this and you open it and now they know that you opened it they know where you opened it from what time of day you opened it all that and you didn't ask for any of that so all of that gets pulled out um, before being sent over to you, which is an interesting service um, as more and more people are uh, becoming interested in their online privacy, which a couple of years ago, we had a conversation that we thought people had totally given up on caring about online privacy, but that does not seem to be the case anymore. It seems to be pendulum swinging back the other way uh, to the extreme other side which is where I think this service comes in. It's it's definitely an interesting thing. We've seen email proxies before, um, but I don't know that we've ever seen anything quite like this in an email proxy. I mean, I don't know. It just seems like... I mean, I get it. It's sort of like, uh, what's that service that, that we're always talking about with the credit where you have a credit card proxy? Privacy.com. Privacy.com, right? F5live.tv you know, slash privacy. Got $5 to try it. <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, and that's, uh, you know, a great idea because you really have to worry about what happens right. to your card number. But do you really have to worry about what happens to your email address? I feel like there's, I feel like the spam filters that Gmail uses are pretty good in, if not overly aggressive like 
so I don't get too worried about hit with too much spam. I get worried about when I sign up for something and don't get it because it ends up in the spam folder. Uh, so I I don't know. I just feel like the stakes are a lot lower than something like with your credit card because sure, sure. you know what are they going to do? Annoy you by sending you more mail? Right. Yeah, and you're right. Uh, the the Gmail uh, multi category uh, I think works really well. Um, like with the the spam and then the the promotion category and stuff like that. I think that generally works pretty well. Then there's the, you know, uh, inbox and other or whatever in Outlook or Office 365. And that seems to work really well as well. Um, but, you know, whatevs. If, if people are, if, if this seems like something that you're interested in, and in the interest of full disclosure, I've already got mine. I haven't signed, I haven't used it for anything, but I've got mine partially because I don't want somebody else to. I have some issues with <laughs> other people using my name, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's an interesting service. If, uh, if you want to give it a try, it's a free service. Um, you can go to, uh, the, your, the, the website I believe might be. I think it's weird. I, we've got it on the website in the article, and my mouse is acting very strangely tonight. Uh, no, it's just duckduckgo.com slash email. Um, or if you use the mobile web browser, you can do it from there as well. Um, and sign up. It's free. You set up your, your forwarding, and you're all set. It, it looks pretty straightforward. I'm going to mess around with it uh, myself just to see. I kind of want to create like an alternate reality <laughs> like Gmail or Outlook account and then an alternate reality DuckDuckGo account and uh, see just how much stuff they are stripping out of things. I think that could be uh, an interesting experiment. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know how, how harmful this is, but for those who are, you know, pendulum swinging the other way real hard, it's a free service from a company that has uh, exhibited enough evidence that they can be trusted with privacy. Uh, probably give it a try if this is in your, in your area of interest. This week's DRM Not Included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. You know you get free shipping, but there's a whole lot more. You get free music with Amazon Prime Music, free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video, free games, and a free Twitch subscription with Amazon Prime Gaming, plus additional features. Uh, right now, we've got a 30-day free trial, the ability to give it as a gift, plus links to these features and more all in one convenient place by going to f5live.tv slash prime. Over the last couple of months, there's been a lot of discussion about the current state of uh, the DC universes, both the TV and the movie universes. Um, as far as TV is concerned, um, the, the likely... Um, dissolving of what is currently called uh, the CW and likely will have a new name in the coming months as I think Next Star is supposed to be purchasing the network um, has been 
uh, pretty intense, what we've seen. Uh, a lot of the series are gone. Um, more look like they might be on the chopping block. Um, there's no telling what's going to happen there. Over on the movie side, uh, we know that uh, one movie has already been canceled 90% of the way through. Two? Two movies. What's the two? Scoob, the, the sequel to Scoob. Oh. Scoob 2. Animated movie, but it's still a movie. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, so, we've seen several movies get axed. Um, there are shows that appear to be um, on the chopping block. Uh, there was a threat made to the current Flash that uh, if things don't uh, righten up uh, in real life, that the Flash film might not actually finish production. Uh, so there's a lot going on over on the movie side as well. Um, the second Aquaman movie has been delayed, um, which pushed something else, Shazam maybe, back as well. So there's a lot going on over at DC. The Warner Brother Discovery merger didn't make it any clearer. It muddied the water for sure. Um, but one of the things that uh, that Warner Brothers Discovery has been trying to do is to find their Kevin Feige. In the Marvel world, before Kevin Feige, there was no direction. Everything was kind of its own thing. The Fantastic Four was happening over here, and X-Men was happening over here, and Spider-Man was over here, and they were all unrelated to one another. Uh, and then Marvel decided we're going to produce our own things. Uh, they brought in somebody to oversee the, the general direction of where all Marvel properties would go, and what we know of as the DC or the, the MCU was born, uh, and the MCU is one entity that encompasses basically everything, and in recent storytelling has managed to even uh, semi-retcon non-MCU titles uh, into its canon, which is pretty impressive. Um, but of course, DC has not really had that. Uh, they haven't had a direction in their films. Yes, they did the Justice League with the existing characters, but the directors of those characters didn't have full control over their characters in the story in the same way that, you know, the Marvel directors have control over their characters in the Avengers films. And it looks like they have found uh, somebody to step into this role. Uh, Dan Lin would be the person who is currently uh, in, in discussions to step into this, this, uh, this role. Dan would actually skip people who should be um, above him and actually uh, report directly to the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, um, indicating that the new you know, WBD corporation seems to have more interest in what's happening over on the DC side of the house than maybe uh, Warner Media did themselves um i don't know uh it obviously worked real yeah. well on the marvel side do you think warner brothers discovery can pull off something that marvel and uh disney did 
you know what? I think this is, uh, it's all about having the right people. So mm-hmm. I think true they are. So I think they're right that they haven't had the right people. The question is, do you have the right people? Do you empower the right people? Do you create a culture of success? Yeah. Uh, and, and like, you know, that's a, a very human issue that is really hard for us to say. I don't know much about this person. Uh, I didn't, don't, uh, so it's, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you that, uh, that he was executive producer for the Lego movie, the modern, uh, versions of the it films, um, Godzilla King of Monsters, um, has, has a lot of, a lot of stuff under his belt. Uh, and is considered is on the uh, current list of thirty most powerful film producers in Hollywood. Okay, I mean, here, so here's at least, the thing, right? At least he's credentialed, right? They're not just picking up a a, a nobody and saying, "Be in charge, please." So that's great. Right. I mean, it's it's hard to say, right? I mean, sure. I think part of what went wrong is they were. Look, they were always very interested in doing what Marvel was doing because Marvel right. started first, right? Marvel started with Iron Man, created the shared universe. Uh, DC was trying to play catch up, uh, and they they started with Man of Steel, and then they did uh, Batman vs Superman, and then they and one and then they brought Wonder Woman in and Iron and Aquaman in and Justice League, uh, and they've actually had so say that they haven't had a shared universe is not correct. They actually have. Uh, and I don't, um, I think the problem is the quality of the films has been, has, has been very much a mixed bag. Yeah. Inconsistent. And it hasn't gotten a good, it hasn't gotten a good reputation. Like yeah. some of the films actually, in, in are my opinion, are, are good, are good. I liked the original Shazam movie. I thought that was really good. I like the original Wonder Woman, the first 100%. Wonder Woman movie. I thought yep. it was fantastic. Um, Aquaman was tolerable. But uh, so, so one of the problems, right, is the first Wonder Woman movie was fantastic. And then while played by the same woman, Wonder Woman in yeah. Justice League appeared to be a different character, right? The, right. The personality was different because she wasn't being written by the Wonder Woman team, which is one of the things that happened inside of Marvel when they do the Avengers movies, Iron Man is always written by the Iron Man team to to maintain consistency. It's not a different writing team that comes in and writes all the characters. His dialogue, his character arc is always done by the team that does the Iron Man movies. And it's that way with all right. of the characters, which was not the case uh, with the the Justice League movie, the fact that they allowed the directors to even be on set seemed to be um, uh, uh, please stop complaining more than it was we wanted. Well, to maintain it, consistency. they also couldn't couldn't stick with like I don't think I, I mean I'm not a big fan of, of Zack Snyder or whatever, but that they mm-hmm. got rid of him and then they replaced him with Joss Whedon in the middle. Mm-hmm. That that were that kind of situation rarely works out. Yeah. When, you, when you change directors in the middle of the movie, uh, uh, see see Solo, a Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 
it, you, you really have to, um, you really have to have consistency, trust with the folks that you have. But I also think whoever decided that like the aesthetic for the DC movies, um, whoever decided the aesthetic for the DC movies should, should be fired and never work again because like they just not look, they don't look, they look like horrible, cheap CGI. Mm -hmm. Everything is dark is really dark so it's hard to see which i guess is trying to mask some of the poor cgi everything unlike comic books which is which are supposed to be bright and colorful like the movies are just that a lot of the movies are just dull with yeah. poor cgi with poor cgi that just looks fake and I, I mean i think you could really poor writing and really poor acting you know yeah. It's just it. It's it now. Is that the fault of the directors, the people who ran it? Uh, the fault of WB as a whole? Is it? I don't know. Is There's it, certainly uh, a lot of drama behind the it, scenes. Is it Walter Harmada, Harmada. or whoever is? Yeah, uh, yeah whoever I mean, is he's, in he's, charge he's, of DC Films? Who? Right? Where is the? Where, where where does the blame lie? It's probably higher up, it's, considering they're all kind of doing that somebody forgot to turn the lights on aesthetic. Right, yeah. It's, it's. I mean, on the other hand, some of them, they, like, you know, managed to break out. So, like, I don't, you know, Wonder... Uh, well, Wonder Woman was... The first Wonder Woman was a little darkly lit in parts. But, uh, in parts. You know, but not, not, not badly so. Yeah. Uh, I mean... I didn't like the plot as much of Wonder Woman 1984, but it it was certainly brighter, yeah, brighter coloring, and uh, it definitely you know, had the Shazam the 1984 thing going on. Yes, <laughs> and Shazam was uh, pretty. Uh, mm -hmm. I think was pretty well, uh, sure, you know, directed wherever. So I don't know. I mean, it, none of it is at the quality level of, of Marvel. Yeah, it's none hit or of, miss. None of the movies. Is it the quality level of a decent Marvel movie? So right. it's it's no, hard to nothing's been nothing's been Iron Man two, but also nothing's been the Incredible Hulk. In fairness, <laughs> right? Marvel has a has a wide range too, but their median is somewhere up here, and DC's yeah. median is somewhere in the middle. But I think Marvel has had lower lows, The Incredible Hulk, which technically yeah. eh, is the yeah. beginning of the MCU because it was out before Iron Man, technically, and the events of that take place right before Iron Man. But uh, but since then, <laughs> they've stopped trying to reboot Hulk, uh, and they've generally had, had big hits. Uh, DC tends to median out in the middle, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's 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 hard to say. Are they going so, to have? Are they going to have less drama? Are they going to do? Right. Uh, are they going to do a better job? Like their their TV. Actually, the DC TV has been quite good. Like, yeah. uh, so which like was, you know, which was run independently from the films, right? Right. So maybe they should take 
the folks who did the TV and put them in charge. Take Greg Berlanti, who did the TV shows, and put him in charge because sure. he did a pretty good job on a pretty tight budget. Of yeah, uh, I mean, they kind of ran Aaron Flash into the ground, but you know, he had he he did a pretty good pretty good job. Sure, and then, sure. like on the more you know freewheeling um, Titans show and uh, and Doom Patrol. Uh, did better, but now they've canceled. I believe they canceled Doom Patrol permanent, and I don't know if Titans. I think they're going to finish filming the last season of it or something, and then kill it. I so think, I think it's it's going to. I'm not positive on this, so don't quote me. But I think it's suffering the same fate as uh, uh, Flash that was allowed to finish filming what they were essentially finish what they were filming and then create a wrap up story. Um, cause the flash's final outing, I think is only nine episodes. Uh, anyway. Yeah. But, it's sorry. Very... So here's, here's some positives about, uh, about Lynn here. Uh, Alan Horn, who was the, uh, former Disney chairman who was responsible for, the Marvel reorganization that became Phage um, is the one who recommended uh, him for this role. So it's worked once before under his recommendation. It might work again uh, under different properties so long as everybody believes in it. And I think that's been one of the problems, right? Warner has been absolute chaos as a corporation over the last couple of years, right? They were, yeah. they were time Warner and then they were part of AT&T and they were Warner media. And now they're part of discovery. And from day to day, nobody knew who was going to sign their checks. <laughs> right. And so I think every time something happened within that, that corporate structure, I think, they had different priorities. I think some people cared. Some people didn't. Some versions of Warner wanted a strong DC universe. Some people, some versions of Warner didn't care or were even annoyed that it was there. Yeah. And so all of this seems to suggest that the current version of Warner, which let's cross our fingers that this is the, the one that sticks. <laughs> This incarnation of Warner Brothers, and therefore DC, does seem to want to clean up some issues. Across the, the Warner ecosystem, this version of the company seems to want to clean up issues uh, overall and start doing things correctly instead of easy. So... Maybe that's what's happening here, and maybe what they're what they're saying is we want to do this right. We want to stop doing the easy thing, uh, and do right by the fans and the stockholders all in one move. And hopefully yeah, it works I mean, out I, I, because DC's got a lot of cool properties, that a lot of properties that we all know. And over the last couple of years, thanks to the CW shows, properties that a lot of people didn't know that do now that like them. Yeah, well, then maybe, though, they shouldn't have canceled before bringing this person on. Maybe they shouldn't have canceled some of the 
good stuff they had going on. Well, you know, some of it, some of it may have been production changes that happened before the merger, trying to make the price more whatever, and I, who knows? There's so much stuff going on behind the scenes. Like I said, total chaos in that corporation. There's no way of knowing exactly what's happening in there day to day. So, you know, maybe there'll be a direction uh, coming up soon. All we can do is cross our fingers. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We have had a tremendous number of people um, watching live tonight, um, which is interesting because I had the same thing on my previous show tonight. Uh, so thank you to those of all of you who joined us live. Uh, if you didn't and would like to in the future, Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the studio, give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We always appreciate that. If you're not able to join us live, that is okay as well. You can always go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe. And there you'll see all of our shows, F5 Live, Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, and a whole lot more. And uh, you'll also find all of the ways that you can watch, listen, and follow along. Uh, next week is Labor Day here in the United States. And so uh, we will not have a show next week because family time. We'll be doing some stuff here, uh, both with the company and with the family. Um, and we hope that our viewers will get the opportunity to do the same thing. So we will not have a show next week. And then, uh, the week after we should be back to normal. We've got some stuff coming up in, uh, October that we're trying to work out because October will be Roboticon Tampa Bay 2022. We're trying to work out what the structure of that's going to be because it's every weekend in October, all weekend, and uh, I will be very sleepy. So it's possible <laughs> that Kirk Corliss from, uh, from GNC Week in Review will be helping us out uh, in putting the show together. We might do uh, what we tried to do a couple of weeks ago. Um, before Abram's computer decided to, uh, hey, it hasn't rebel. it hasn't crashed yet. It Fantastic. hasn't it hasn't now. So it hasn't last uh, since we last talked either. So Fantastic. Uh, so hopefully that will that will stay, and we'll maybe we'll do something like that uh, through October, and and uh, Kirk can put the show together for us. Um, so we'll see what all of that looks like. But until then, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we'll see you back in two weeks. Ciao.